Oh dear. Welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, where we discuss all things app development. And in this episode, I chat with Ovind Jorfald, Senior Developer, Consultant and Founder of the AppRise Conference. We talk about what goes into building a developer conference, working as a developer consultant, his favorite mobile development platform, and much, much more. Now on to the show. So before we go any further, welcome back to the Coffee and Coding Podcast. This is officially season four, episode one, and I'm super happy to be back. It's been a few months since the last season ended. A little bit shorter than usual the last season, but if I'm being completely honest, uh, work kind of ran away with me, and so I didn't really get time to do much editing or much recording, and which left a little bit of a hiatus. But now we are back for season four. I've got a bunch of great episodes lined up for you this season. And I'll also be doing some solo episodes this season. So if you have any pressing questions or anything that you want to ask me or anything that you want to talk about, then please reach out, let me know, and I'll be sure to answer your questions on this podcast. I'm also considering doing a Q&A type podcast. So those questions would be really useful for that as well. I can answer a bunch of them in one go. Now on to today's episode. So today's guest is actually the founder of the AppRise Conference, which is a conference which is happening one week after this episode has dropped. So if you're listening to this on the day it drops, this conference is happening next week in Oslo, in Norway, and I'm actually speaking at the conference. I'm going to be giving a talk on freelancing. Um, originally the talk was called 11 years of freelance app development in 15 minutes and now it's just 11 years of freelance app development because I don't have 15 minutes I have 20 but the gist of it is I'm going to be talking about all things I can think of to do with freelance app development so what it is how to get gigs um, what it really looks like compared to what people think it looks like the pros the cons all of that kind of stuff so if that's something that you're interested in and you are in the area or you can be in the area then again as you're listening to this tickets stop being on sale tomorrow but there is a link in the show notes right now to get tickets at a discount especially for this podcast so if that's something that you're interested in then make sure you head over check the link check it out and if you don't end up buying tickets whenever stuff drops if it drops on youtube i'll be sure to link to that as well so you don't miss out and this is the first of many talks that i hope to be given this year so as and when um, I get approved to be a speaker at various talks. I'll let you know. And if those are tickets again that you want, hopefully I'll be able to do some sort of discount code with the the conference organizers um, and get you guys a discount. But in the meantime, here is episode one of season four of the Coffee and Coding podcast and my conversation with Ovind. So then I guess to start off with, um, so for people that are listening who don't know who you are, do you want to give like a super brief bio of like who you are and a little bit about kind of your, your you know, history in, in this space? Uh, I'm a 32-year-old uh, um, software engineer. I love doing uh, like coding and uh, all this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I've been working in the industry for uh, like professionally for... Uh, Eight, nine years. I have a bachelor's degree in uh, game programming, actually. Uh, and then I got into uh, to a consultancy job um, after, the, after the bachelor's degrees and have been working in that area kind of ever since. Uh, I have been working with uh, a lot of different app projects, been working with uh, iOS development uh, with Objective-C and Swift, Kotlin and Java uh, for Android. I've been working with... Uh, a little bit with uh, React Native and uh, created an app in Flutter and uh, yeah, been kind of so people know where we're in the in the land I 
I stand, uh, and also I'm running a startup with, uh, with a couple of other guys uh, where we create uh, uh, basically app, uh, apps and technology to help uh, kids and youth with um, autism and uh, and similar uh, diagnosis. So that's a bit background. I have pretty pretty good knowledge in in the mobile tech industry. Okay, sweet. All right, so. I want to ask a, a question. So you did your your it, you did a degree, right? In and it was like, was it like computer science with games tech? Is that yeah? Kind of that's what pretty it was? accurate. Uh, okay, because I did the exact same thing when I my degree was the same thing. It was computer science with games, but the games part was, you know, they sell it to you like you're going to learn to make games, and then it was probably like one module in three years. Was yeah, that's exactly like, the actually. same for me. <laughs> So I guess the name is the selling point, and I sprinkle a little bit of game into um, into the stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just computer science with one extra module that is happens that you could have probably picked anyways. Like when you get to choose, but um, okay, cool. And then you said, like, when you're talking about consultancy, is that like what what does that look like? Is it like freelancing? Is it something else? Uh, I started first uh, together with. Uh, a group of uh, graduates and we were like uh, first we created a project uh, internally just learning to like how how this stuff works and then we got uh, just got shipped out to different uh, different uh, customers um so that was the first job and then i moved on to a little bit more uh, not senior i was still as a, a junior but uh, a little bit uh, where i could uh, choose a little bit more what i want to do so I helped start a, um, a mobile department uh, internally and then worked on a little bit more specific mobile stuff. Uh, and then after a few years of that, uh, I actually started a, a firm uh, together with uh, with the help from... Or it's it's not a completely standalone firm, It's uh, but it's like a subdivision of, uh, of a bigger uh, company. Or bigger, we're total forty, so and not big, but bigger. Uh, so that was cool, and I'm still working there now. Um, so now it's completely like uh, uh, me selecting what kind of uh, customers I'm working for, and um, and I have been working with uh, a lot of different stuff, uh, domains and technologies. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. I, I want to dig into that a little bit, but I, I, just to be clear, I think I understand, but for the audience, so you're talking about at least your first few consultancy jobs was kind of like, um, it's not, so you work for a company as a consultant and I assume it's the company essentially contracts you out to someone else. So it's not like a company doesn't come to your company and say, build me this app. A company already has something and they're kind of contracting you out as extra to help out on that project is that what it looks like yeah exactly um they're kind of renting you as a like a person into this project well some consultancy firms like do the whole project like we will deliver this from a to z but uh for the most part in my career i have been like me uh, rented out to someone to do a job okay all right so then now that you have like your own consultancy because this is something that i've been interested more more from the other side so i i guess you would have like consultancy is what you're talking about and then maybe an agency is kind of the same thing but more in-house so you know build me this thing and somebody does it as opposed to renting you out but 
like one, I guess is like, why did you decide to start your own? And also how, like, how do you start your own consultancy? Cause, cause everything, like I've spoke to a bunch of people that want to do like agencies, right? So I do freelance work. And when I go in, I'm like, you know, the agency that has hired me out, I could totally do their job, but I would have no idea how to find the client in the first place to be able to do their job. So like, how, how do you start that? And how, how do you find um, like clients? Well, uh, first of all, maybe it's a little bit uh, too, too braggy to say that I started it by myself because um, it was an idea uh, between me and uh, another guy I worked with. And we, we basically sat down and said, okay, um, he was running a consultancy company with a few guys, or I think there was like around 20 at that time. Uh, but they were only doing like .NET uh, Microsoft uh, technologies. And I was, I have been working with him for a couple of years and we like, uh, got along, uh, great and, uh, and talked about, okay, maybe we should, uh, try the mobile part of it. Uh, so I can help creating that, uh, kind of part of it. So regarding getting customers and that kind of, uh, stuff, I, I haven't been that much part of it, uh, for the company, um, because we have we had a little bit of uh, of a customer base uh, on beforehand. Other than that, I would say just use uh, yeah the people you know, like uh, your whole kind of network uh, digitally and like personally. Everyone, your family probably knows someone who knows someone who you know, and also uh, have another tips. I was, we were, uh, we had actually a workshop now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, trying to kind of, okay, who, who can we get? Who new customers? What, uh, what, um, areas can we get into? So I was like looking into a Play Store, finding big companies in Norway and seeing the rating basically on Play Store. So it's like, okay, if you have sub 3.5, your app is basically trash. <laughs> uh, so that was like a way to go. Just um, and we also have pretty good uh, results in our uh, in our projects. So we could point to, okay, uh, take a look at this project we did. We went from this rating to this. Is like a super simple measuring tool, right? Uh, and then you can go and say your app is basically down here and you can get up here if you if you want to work with us so yeah that's a simple way <laughs> yeah that's a really good that seems like a really good way to do it because they already have an app they you can prove to them or they can see for themselves that it's not good and then yeah that's interesting okay cool that's a really good tip i haven't heard that before <laughs> it's it and it's uh, like uh, any other thing i guess if you have the foot inside the door it's like you you can get in and you can prove that you're worth it and then you get a lot of different jobs, internal apps, and the ball starts rolling. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Okay. All right. So I, I want to switch gears just a little bit um, because the the reason that I know of you is because of a conference. But before we get before we get to that, before, so like you are, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the like the founder of the AppRise conference. Um, but before we get to that, you've worked on conferences before, right? So is it, am I right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so my, so I guess I'm interested to know, like, how did you get into that and kind of 
if you can give the audience uh, and me a kind of behind the scenes look of how it works because i i have no idea right like i see do you really want to know <laughs> yeah yeah no no definitely because it's like one one that seems like an, I, i know i know people that go to give talks or to do workshops i don't know anybody who helps arrange the whole thing because that seems like a lot so so maybe just let's start there like how did you get into like working on these on conferences um me and a couple of guys uh, i think it was in 2016 we got together and said it's no it's no mobile conference no app conference nothing like that uh around here at least in norway uh, or in oslo so can we start it what what uh, what do we have to do um so we decided i think we were five or six guys uh, decided to let's try it so we created the uh, the conference mobile era uh and i was a big part of organizing that but i wasn't kind of the founder or the leader i was just part of organizing helped uh, helped a lot and was yeah kind of like um hanging out with the guys uh, doing a lot of stuff with uh uh yeah, hotel bookings all kinds of some part of the organizing uh so i got a good insight in what it took um and what it takes and that conference ran for uh i think it was four years three or four years and then the pandemic uh, took it <laughs> like many others uh so fast forward to now uh i think it was november 2022 i thought to myself okay mobile era is dead we still need some mobile tech conference here um so let's start it let's start a new initiative uh i i tried to get the other guys to to kind of uh get mobile era up up and running again but they had other stuff to going on and yeah so uh, i thought to myself let's let's try to do it from the beginning uh hence uh, apprise conf in uh yeah coming in march in oslo where you are speaking i am yeah <laughs> yeah that should be fun okay so So before, like, so for people that are listening, um, all the details for the show, or if you're watching, um, will be in the show notes, um, and we'll, we'll chat them out at the end. So everybody, if you want to go and find a ticket, then you can. But before we get into like what the conference is now, I'm interested in, um, let, let me, I'm trying to think of like a way to word it. So I think what's interesting, right, is, you know, okay, there's no conference in Oslo or there's no conference in Norway. So let's start one. Okay, cool. That's a great idea. And then what is next? Because like th this is these are the things that I don't understand. So you can you can start what you want, but if if I decide today, listen, I want I want to do a conference. One, I don't know how to get the word out so that people come. Two, I don't know whether you get the word out first or you get speakers first before you get the word out because you know what am I going to see if I'm buying a ticket? But then I don't know how you get speakers because again you have to get the word out that this conference exists and try and convince people to come and give a talk or whatever. So like, where do you start and and kind of how, yeah, I, I guess where do you start and how does that look? Because I would have absolutely no idea where to start. Yeah, uh, I think it's related to the question uh, earlier about how to get customers, how to get get people to join stuff. Uh, so it's networking most of it. Um, but where do you start? 
Uh, you start by allocating a lot of time, at least. <laughs> it, it takes uh, yeah, crazy amount of time. I gathered some uh, some people that want to join and uh, to help out, um, and we we sat down. We started planning everything we need to do. Uh, some of these guys had uh, experience from uh, from from other conferences as well, so that helped. But uh, it's basically three main things you need: you need sponsors, or at least most of uh, conferences do. Uh, you need speakers, and you need people to attend. That's basically the three main big parts. So uh, what we what we did was just start everything at once. Just <laughs> do, do, do everything. Uh, but uh, reach out to to everyone. You know, uh, find a concept, find a logo, find a find a name and a kind of area we want to cover. For us, it was mobile technology and get kind of the the things that are important to know about the conference down first. And then you can just start spreading the word, start talking to people. Uh, first of all, try to find if there's kind of any interest for it, which we got a lot of uh, positive feedback for it. Uh, and then just go crazy. Uh, send mails, send messages. I think I've sent probably around 200 mails to potential sponsors uh, individually. Well, based on the template, but still you have to manipulate them a, a bit. Uh, probably sent 150 individual private messages to people about speaking that I don't know. I think I sent you... you I think you, you had replied to... I, I tweeted something about, I want to give a talk and what some ideas and I, you just jumped in like exactly. you know, make sure you check out this conference exactly so i was like i did so yeah, that's uh, how i found out about it yeah. that was kind of one way to do it i sent a lot of uh dms on twitter and i i ha had a good amount of uh of contacts from the mobile era conference so contact all of them please spread the word if you do, if you can't come if you're not interested please just ask your friends and we got really good uh good feedback on that uh the problem was we had almost too few slots to fill so we got way more than we expected uh i think we got 170 talks uh for basically 10 slots so <laughs> So he was like, uh, damn, okay, how do we do this? Um, yeah. Uh, and then the sponsors started rolling. Uh, I think the most important thing we did was to, 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 um, uh, agree on the whole thing being non, non-profit. So no one's making money out of this. This is like the first thing. We're not paying ourselves for uh, organizing it. We're not paying speakers. Uh, other than uh, travel and uh, and hotel, but uh, yeah, no one's getting paid. And if no one's getting paid, everyone's fine with it. If someone's getting paid, then it's a problem, right? So I had uh, a few few speakers um, telling me, "Ah, you should really pay speakers. It's not uh, it's not uh, good to to like ask for this free for free." 
But uh, once they understood that it was totally non-profit, no one's making money out of this at all, uh, they were like, oh, super, I want to join. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Other than that, yeah, the sponsors, the same thing. They're super happy to join uh, once they know it's non-profit and just organized by people who want to make something cool for the community. Um, so, yeah, uh, other than that, just... Create a website, create an app, go crazy. <laughs> it's it's way more work than ever expected. It's it's just insane. I want to ask um, also. So, like you said, you have 170 submissions, right? And you need to fill, you know, effectively 10 slots. But it's like a, a very small fraction of whatever you need to fill. Like 10% of them talks are going to get selected, and 90% are going right. So, so how do you decide? Because the conference is super broad, right? It's like mobile. So it could be about, you know, Flutter, iOS, whatever. So how do you decide on what you pick out of those? Like, how, how do you narrow it down? Yeah, it was an interesting process, actually. The problem is, as you say, we have a very broad kind of uh, spectrum of, uh, of um, subjects. So we say that we cover mobile technology. And that's native, uh, that's cross-platform, that's design, that's testing, that's architecture, that's uh, security, all kinds of stuff you can imagine, right? So, uh, and then again, we have only one day and two two tracks, so uh, not that much. But uh, yeah, we started by doing, our, first of all, I got a, a program committee uh, with the people I knew from someone experts on Android and iOS and web and yeah, different different parts. And then we basically created a, a sheet uh, where people could rate the talks uh, based on uh, their domain or their expertise area uh, and how they think this talk would be like uh, fit for, uh, for this kind of a conference. And that narrowed it down uh, quite a bit. So I think we... We got probably yeah, one third left after that. After that, it was uh, discussions, meetings, and just, uh, yeah, like this talk is interesting, but this is kind of similar and we rather would want him. Uh, and you have, you got uh, like uh, juggle uh, subjects, speakers, diversity, um, experience and uh, travel cost is a is a factor because we're non-profit we basically have super tight budget so all these kinds of things to to get some very close to to the program and then it was uh yeah a couple of talks i really wanted to have which i unfortunately had to to say no to but um that's how it is quick interruption if you're a fan of the show, I'd love it if you could leave it a positive rating review in your podcast app of choice. Contrary to what you might have heard, it doesn't actually help the show be discovered, but it does provide the social proof that it's a show worth listening to. So if you have 30 seconds to spare, I'd really, really appreciate it. And now, back to the show. Do you want to disclose, you don't have to tell people like the person or the name, but what were some of the talks that you know you really wanted that just didn't make the cut? Uh, we had one guy from Circle CI. Um, uh, it was coming from Japan to talk about uh, 
automation and UI tests for both Android and iOS uh, and uh, the CI part. That would have been really cool. But others, yeah, a uh, pretty interesting security talk about how to, to shield your uh, Android apps. I think that uh, that talk was, uh, was held at um, DroidCon. <laughs> DroidCon in London. Yeah, I don't remember. A couple of more, which will... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think the program uh, is super cool. Uh, we cover a lot of different stuff and... Uh, I'm really looking forward to see see all you guys, and you're going to share uh, your story, so that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't given the talk that I'm going to give before. I've given like I've talked about it a lot, but it's it's really hard trying to get it distill it down to like 20 minutes. But it needs to be like I want it to be content, you know, like people who take something away, not just like me telling like, oh, this is my story for the last 10 years, and then at the end of it, I'm just like, oh, by the way, here's this nugget of information. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice to nice to connect it to some something people can use uh, themselves. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, it should be really good. Um, okay, cool. So I want to ask. I've just got a couple more questions, um, and then we can wrap. And anything you want to talk about. But before we wrap, so you mentioned that you know I, th- I think before you did a consultancy, but maybe during as well. Like you have side apps, and you've worked on like your own kind of apps. And my question was twofold, which is one, like, what kind of stuff did you build? And was it for fun? Was it, you know, did you have users? Did you make any money? And then the second part of that is, do you think that doing that helps you, you know, quote unquote professionally by building your own stuff and doing stuff that's not strictly someone's paying you to do? Uh, Yeah, the first part, uh, I've done a lot of different stuff. Uh, I've created a lot of hobby apps some of them released some of them not um and uh created some small companies with uh with friends and colleagues just to yeah do it together i haven't been making a lot of money out of those uh uh, but that has not been the main focus or goal either so the first the first thing was just a, a cool little little app we made for um it was a cross platform uh, app actually in uh oh, what's that called again um i can't remember it was some super old cross platform uh, uh framework which is dead uh, 10 years ago or something but <laughs> but it was cool it was uh, an app for um museums to to have a mobile audio guide so while you're walking around, uh, walking around uh, you could have your own phone connected to your own headset um, and then just uh, listen to like information about uh, everything. So that was cool. And we sold that actually um, to uh, to a museum for yeah some some money. Uh, but the startup I'm running now is um, is pretty cool. Uh, the ones we help. Uh, autistic uh, children and youth and that's been growing pretty steadily now for a couple of years and we're planning to do do a bit a bit more stuff soon Uh, but uh, it's mainly yeah uh, cities and uh, kind of uh, these these kind of customers uh, who buy them and distribute them to to people yeah um and the second part of your question it was 
the the second part was essentially aside from the fact that it's fun or that you like doing it like is there any do you, do you see any benefit i i guess the reason that i ask is because when people are starting coding i always tell them just build apps because you build portfolio and you learn stuff so when you go for an interview rather than saying i know how to do stuff but i have nothing to show for it you can say i built these five things and sure they might not be great because you're new but i was wondering like if you like it, it, what what you see as a benefit if any from doing that side kind of apps yeah 100 yeah, percent uh, as you say First of all, you learn a lot by doing it. Uh, you can learn new stuff you want to try. You can, oh, you heard of a framework, you heard of a, a library or something. Just make it, try it yourself. Don't, uh, don't take words. Um, or don't take people's words for it. Just try it yourself. That's one part of it. Uh, the other is, as you say, you build a portfolio, uh, which you can show if you don't have that much work experience and you have built a lot of apps. Okay. You have, you can prove. I've done something. Um, I've done a lot of technical interviews in this consultancy uh, company. And basically, we always ask, do you have any hobby projects to do anything like this? And um, and if the answer is yes, it's always positive. It's, 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 it's um, yeah, I would say either way, if the app is bad, if the design is bad, if it's basically crashing on launch still you have tried you have done something you have uh yeah so yeah uh, i would say do it for do it for fun or because you want to learn but uh um yeah and you will get kind of all these bonuses from it um and you get to know people ask someone oh i need some design okay ask a designer to do it with you um ask it back in to to fling up something or try in firebase or whatever just just do it um yeah i think that's perfect it's the best way to yeah to uh to improve yourself and uh and your portfolio do you agree yeah no i i totally agree i mean i think when you're starting out it's the best way to just do like do stuff because you don't have the opportunity otherwise so you should and i feel like especially as a freelancer like you don't have to release anything even maybe you just put it on github for you know like you said someone asked you have you got anything you can say yes but it's like you're not going to learn stuff that you don't do and people aren't going to pay you as a freelancer to do stuff that you don't know so it's like you need to learn it for yourself and the easiest like you know it, it, i think everyone learns differently but me going and read a tutorial doesn't do anything for me but me spending half a day trying to figure out how do I build this thing in Jetpack Compose. And like you said, it could be horrible, but now I understand the concept and I understand how it works. And then when I really, really need to do it, I'll do what everyone else does and go on Google and Stack Overflow and figure out the answer. You know? So yeah, I, I totally agree. I would even say that uh, that um, doing like simple tutorials, make a to-do app, make something simple. I think people are... Are really scared of uh, for like ah oh, I don't have the good idea I don't have uh, I don't have anything to 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 make or to create just do something create something I created a pros and cons app in Flutter just to do it and released it it has made it uh, I have earned I think it's forty dollars in total <laughs> but whatever it's super fun and cool and uh, yeah so I think people should be be less worried about what the actual app is and the idea yeah i no, i 100 percent agree with that because i definitely think when i tell people go build something 
they think it has to be like a startup or it has to be like this new thing where it's like, it doesn't have to be anything. Like you said, it could be that, it could be a to-do list app, it could be a notes app and just has one page and you just type something and next time you go to the app, it remembers what you typed. Like, you know, for like, for me, it'd be like, nobody wants that and maybe nobody wants it. But the point is you're not trying to make a business. You're just trying to demonstrate what you can do. Yeah, an, ex- an example is uh, many years ago, I, I worked out with a couple of friends and we made this uh, program and we're always like, ah, oh, forgot uh, and all this kind of stuff. So I was just, okay, made a super simple app, no release, nothing, just invited them to test flight. Uh, it was where I was. And it was like us three using this app, loving it. It's like, oh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's enough. It's, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, no, yeah, 100%. I would agree with that. But you you also mentioned you've done a lot of um, technical interviews for, you know, your consultancy and interviewing people. And I always think, so like, I, I've done a bunch of interviews interviewing people. And obviously, as a freelancer, I do a lot of interviews because, you know, you're changing jobs regularly. And I, I wanted to ask kind of um, from a technical perspective, what is it that you look for in a candidate that is like, you know, yeah, this is a yes or this is a no. And, and the reason that I ask is, at least for me, it's never as simple as, you know, how many different things do they know or how fast can they code? Or it, it could be like if I had a the best coder and a medium coder and then not a great one, I might end up picking the not so great or the medium because they have a bunch of other skills and they can learn to code better. Um, so, so what is it that you look for when you're interviewing candidates that, you know, it might be like the green flags, like yes, or like a red flag, which is like, no, definitely on this person. Yeah, it's a complicated question. Um, first of all, we, we are super, uh, picky on it because we, we, we have this like specific thing we're looking for. But, uh, in general, I think, um, People are usually really good at selling and telling about things they uh, like and have worked with. So, okay, I used this library. It was super nice because I could do this, this, and this. And one specific simple thing I like to ask is, okay, but what's bad about it? Why should I not use it? Like, um, if they have thought about that and can give some kind of answer, it's positive. It's always nice, I think. Uh, and the other way, I don't like that. It's so, okay, but what's good with it? Uh, and even like old stuff, like um, uh, expired kind of libraries or ways to do stuff, like why should you use, uh, uh, why should you use uh, thread in, um, in Kotlin instead of coroutines? Like ah, if they if they kind of can somehow find or come up with something uh, that uh, that can be good for, I think it's uh, it's it's a sign you you're a little bit more ref- reflected. But uh, it's a maybe a, a bit more senior uh, uh, way uh, of thinking. So other than that, I think just people that shows uh, enthusiasm for the for the field and um it's it's very like a yeah, person to person it's just a combination of like a feel when you're there and uh how well they can answer like for all from everything from basic answers to, or questions to to what i was talking about like reflecting on why and how and why not and all this kind of stuff yeah yeah that totally makes sense i, I did an interview recently where they asked me 
I forget the exact question, but it was something along the lines of, you know, why would you not put a res or what would happen if you put a recycler view inside of a scroll view? Why is that bad? And I can't remember what the answer I gave was, but it was something along the lines of like, one, you should never do that. But two, if you do do that, and I didn't know what would happen. So I was, I was just trying to think about it. And I was like, I think what would happen is this, and this is why it's bad. And they were like, yeah. Um, but it was interesting because it's like, they're asking me a question that they know is really bad practice. And if I wasn't a good candidate, I would have given them, I wouldn't have said, don't do this. I would have said, this, this is what would happen. And may, and then maybe I'd even come up with reasons why you would want to do that. I don't know why, but maybe I would. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's things that questions that make you think I always find that are really, really interesting. Yeah, they are. And uh, also I like as an interviewer, I like to ask answers. I don't necessarily know the answer to no ask questions. I don't necessarily answer, uh, have, have the answer to myself. It's like, why? Like, and there's <laughs> someone is like, uh, I don't know why I was, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that could be a conversation that you have if you were working with them. Like, why should we do this? Why should we not? And you might not both know the answer. So and I think it's uh, like a misconception that uh, the guy interviewing like has every answer. Like I'm no, I'm no like god in uh, in development. I have my experience, but the candidate probably knows more about some things than me, right? So okay, all right. So so I have two questions left, and then we can wrap. But the first one is: so you mentioned earlier, you know, you've done Android, you do you can do iOS, Flutter. I think you've done some React Native, probably a bunch of other stuff. What is your preferred framework or, or language of choice out of all the things that you've done that you like working with? Yeah. Um, the short answer is uh, native, just just native app. But it's a bit more complex than that. Um, so what we do is we hire only people that know uh, one of two like native technologies. Uh, but we don't limit them to like work with only native uh, once they're uh, once they're hard. So I think it's uh, it's very uh, dependent on the project, uh, the resources, um, what outcome you want, and um, uh, if if it's for customers, what are their uh, budget, what are their goals. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's one of the most interesting uh, discussions in mobile tech, actually. Uh, flat, or um, I mean, uh, cross versus native. Uh, for for most serious uh, companies who want uh, the best possible app for their users, I think native is the way to go. Um, it's just because. You, you get everything. You you can do whatever you want. Um, you don't have that. You don't have that layer on top where you're like restricted to what that layer says you have to do, right? Um, but um, again, if it's a startup, I would probably never recommend native because you probably just have one technologist, maybe, and uh, like <laughs> don't start two different projects. Just to Flutter or uh, or some cross-platform, then you can uh, move on to native if you feel the need for it later. But yeah, okay, that makes sense. Okay, and then the last question, um, which is a question that I like to ask everybody, is what do you think separates an okay developer from a great developer? Yeah, I've heard you ask that question. For for my own part, I think what made me uh, a great developer uh, versus a 
and maybe a junior or mediocre was the ability to write code that did the job well and uh, as good as I could uh, without like fussing it like uh, writing clear understandable code uh, without loading it with comments without uh, overflowing it and all that kind of stuff uh, so um, the ability to solve the many times very complex problem uh, with understandable, easy, um, readable code. Um, I think that's that's at least one part of it. Uh, but I also also think that uh, senior or like uh, more experienced developers should have a vision a bit wider than just their field. So if you're a mobile developer, okay, good, you're an expert in that. But you should have knowledge of how an API is working, how a database in the back end, uh, how design and UX are, are kind of a big part of that, uh, a little bit wider than uh, uh, if, you're, if you're junior or uh, junior or just, uh, just starting, I, I can accept that like, it's this one thing you're working with now. But uh, your, uh, your vision should, uh, should widen a bit. Uh, more when uh, when you get the experience so yeah i think that's that's it maybe for me <laughs> that's cool that makes sense i i think i kind of agree with um like if you i feel like the way that you just explained it makes sense which is like if you look at development as like a funnel and at the bottom you're like a junior developer and then the higher you go up the wider it gets because you should know more stuff than just i'm really really good at android like and you don't have to be an expert but you yeah the more that you know the more you can it, it makes you a better developer, I think, because it's it's much easier than relying on other people to be the expert in other areas. Yeah, and I think it's it makes for a lot more interesting uh, conversations and discussions in the project as well. If you have some more like knowledge of what other people doing uh, are doing and and their uh, um, yeah possibilities and uh, and that kind of stuff. So cool. All right. So then the final final question. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that AppRise conf conference is happening in March. Um, so do you want to tell people, um, one, where they can find you on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, and then also where they can find out more about the conference? Yeah, they can find me at uh, Twitter. I'm not that active, but uh, AppRiseConf is pretty active right now. Uh, so follow that. Uh, AppRise, it's A-P-P-R-I-S-E, uh, Conf. And... Um, on LinkedIn, uh, you can find me um, as well. Uh, so please go check out appriceconf.com. Um, we have the full schedule of the program, all the speakers, including you, Rob, uh, in the lineup, which is really good. Uh, it's March 23rd in Oslo, and we have a couple of workshops the day before as well. So that's pretty cool as well. Um, yeah, just add me on uh, LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, send me a message somewhere, an email or wherever, and um, I'd love to have a discussion or a talk or uh, just hang out with anyone. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or fellow developer. And if you really want to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash donate. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. 
Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee and Coding Podcast. <laughs>